Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Kelly Bruhaha released a self-titled album. Uh, start that again. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Bruhaha released a self-titled album in 2019, and she released an unplugged album last year. And there was a song on that called "Poets, Troubadours, and Me," which she has now released as a single in a slightly different form. Kelly, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me tonight. So I'm, I'm very happy to have you, having seen you play in Tamworth and and seeing you hold a room raptured um, <laughs> by your music, so enraptured, I should say. Um, but you are on the road with Lynn Botel at the moment doing some shows. Yeah, I am. I am. She just cooked going? me dinner. Oh, delicious. <laughs> look, that's amazing. So how are the shows going? They've been going great. It's been really nice to be on the road with Linny. I haven't toured with her before and... Oh, you can't beat her songwriting. So each night I'm just sitting there watching in awe, really. It's been great. She's probably feeling the same about you, though. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> well, I think you're a, you're a very good double act to have. Um, and as I said, you're on the road, but the road is somewhat of your natural habitat, or at least it was until the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one factoid I've always uh, found interesting about you is that you have a Toyota Hiace called Pamela Vanderson. A 1992 Toyota Hiace. When did you and Pamela start travelling together? Oh, I got her about, mm, I want to say maybe five years ago. Um, She hadn't done very many Ks yet. She's done a lot now, but (laughs) she's still quite young. I know she's the body of her is, you know, almost as old as I am, but, you know, she's only done 200,000 Ks and runs like a dream. Can't beat her. So given that you do have done a lot of traveling, I'm always in, intrigued people who drive a lot around Australia, like how many petrol stations are out there? If you're like on the Nullarbor plane, what do you do for petrol? Oh, there's there's so many petrol stations on the oh, Nullarbor. Yeah. I always thought until I went there, I my dad had always said, you know, you can't do that solo. And I, I went across with a big crew with Aussie Road crew and there was petrol every 200 Ks, like, oh. and and powered sites on caravan parks. Like, it was actually very comfortable. So, Oh, it's, which is completely at odds with what one thinks about the Nullarbor, of course, which is yeah. just, just a great stretch of nothing. You know, the other stretch of road that I get stuck on is between Melbourne and um, Gundagai. Oh, My yeah. car can't get all the way from Melbourne to Gundagai, and I always forget to fill up at Glen Rowan, and that's the last 24-hour stop, and I've ran out of petrol twice on that highway now. <laughs> I have driven that stretch of road and, yeah, I often think there aren't as many petrol stations on the Hume Highway as there could be. Yeah, yeah. But, look, we're digressing. Uh, You did mention the Aussie Road Crew and now this is a Becky Cole initiative from what I understand and you've done quite a bit of touring with Becky. So when did you start doing that? At the same time. I got Pamela and then I got invited on Aussie Road Crew um, very soon after that. So it's gone hand in hand for me and, um they're such a beautiful crew to tour with and, you know, I'm a better person for touring with them, I reckon. So it's almost like Becky heard you had this vehicle and thought, hey, she can come along. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so your self-titled album, as I mentioned, was released in 2019 and it contains the track 40,000 Star Hotel, which is this beautiful track about the stars that, that you see when you're on the road, the night sky scene um, from places outside of cities. But yeah. I'm wondering... Uh, not to be 
too metaphorical about it, but do you have a favorite room in that 40,000 star hotel? I think a favorite part oh, of it. Oh, that's a great, yeah, I do. Because I co-wrote this song with Elise Simmons at the Dag Sheep Station at the songwriting retreat there. And uh, I think that is my favorite room in the hotel is anywhere, you know, the Dag is this place where you've got, you're surrounded by beautiful people, a lot of music, and um, there's no Wi-Fi and there's no reception. Right. So there's no phones and it's, oh, it's like church to me. I love it. I love oh. it. How many times have you done that? I, I've been twice yeah. and I'll be back this year as well. So Because I'm about to say it's probably been on hold for a little bit. but I think so. Yeah. yeah. But but so many great songs, so many great songs have come out of it. Sorry, I'm talking over the top of you, Kelly. I know, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please repeat what you said. <laughs> oh, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's been hard for everyone, you know, but they're up and running and, and trying to get them. And that's all we can do really at the moment is keep pushing. Hopefully it gets better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, you have had a commitment to a musical life for a while, but I'm wondering when your musical life started. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I grew up in regional South Australia. We moved around a lot as kids. And um, when we came back to Adelaide, it was for high school and I didn't have any friends. So I, I made friends with the guitar and you know, I've played ever since. Um, but after high school, I, I started music at TAFE and I did my diploma and I've been playing since. Like I've always wanted to just, my goal's been to, you know, be happy. And number two is to get away with making music forever in any format. So, you know, I feel hey, like I live my dream every day. And I'd say they are wonderful goals to have. But in studying music formally, um, did you ever worry that perhaps it would take you away from your instincts as a musician that you would have developed quite a bit by that stage? No, I don't think so. I think, if anything, it added to my toolbox and that made me a better writer because I can do more with my hands and my voice, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, And have you considered doing, like, further studies or any kind of online courses or songwriting courses or things like that? Not that you need them, but... Oh, do you know, I I do wonder about, you know, I've never got the degree. I always wondered about that. But then I, you know, I go, if I was going to spend all this money on a degree and spend all this time studying, I could actually just play guitar a bit more. (laughs) Practice a little bit more and I'd be fine. I'd be much better than I am if I put the time in, so... I always go, no, I'm just going to practice more. And then I, you know, put it in the diary and, and don't quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, playing live is a form of practice and so is sound check. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so how many guitars do you travel with or are you just a one guitar woman? I was a one guitar woman until about a month ago and then I impulse bought a, um, an electric guitar. And <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> um, it was probably, you know, poor life decision at that point. But um, I got it. And it's sounding great. I've been playing it on this tour with Linny and just love and it's very loud and it's kind of strange for me to, to be playing something so loud. So still uh, get so my head around it, you know. Given that it was an impulse buy, was it just that particular guitar that took your fancy? No. It, it, I was just, you know, when you're in the, one of those moods and, and things aren't going so well, so you just start impulse buying everything and impulse eating everything and watching lots and lots of uh, TV on DVD and things like that. <laughs> lots of Netflix and <laughs> So it's in one of those modes where I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, hit the button and just mess everything up. <laughs> well, look, that's a purposeful impulse purchase, you know. That's a contribution I, I to culture. I well, I think, yeah. Yes. If it's in musical instruments, it's always redeemable in my <laughs> And possibly tax deductible. But that's a different thing. But a very expensive hobby. <laughs> that's right. But it does, it, you know, it, it does take a real commitment to the 
to the road and to perform for people the way you have over the past few years. Um, so I'm sure there are challenging parts about it, but what's the best thing about it? Do you know, I don't feel like it's a commitment at all. I feel the opposite. When we got pulled off the road with the pandemic, it was the worst thing I could have ever imagined. I, I, I'm such a gig figure. I would gladly be on the road full-time always if I could manage. <laughs> if my body was able to just stop, not stop moving, I would just keep going. Yeah. Have <laughs> you been like I'm home to rest. Have you been like that since childhood? Like, a ch- were you a child who was always on the go? Yeah, I think because we moved around so much as kids, I think it's just it's my safe place now. Um, and to stay still feels really foreign. And you know, all my friends all live all over the country, so to stay in one place too long, I just feel like I'm missing everybody. It's like the opposite to a, someone who's lived in the same place their whole life. Yeah, and it's and it is unusual, particularly I think, um, to be frank, for women to do it because there are concerns yeah. about safety on the road. Uh, I mean, we have that whole Jack Kerouac on the road paradigm to to in the culture, but I often say that's a that's a fantasy story on the road because so. men can do it, but it's it is quite hard for women to do it and do it safely. So um, I think there's. Uh, even though it sounds like for you it's almost inevitable to be on the road, I think mm. there is a bit of courage involved. Oh, I guess so. I mean, I've, I've always felt really safe. I feel like we live in the safest country. We're so lucky here. And um, I often, you know, I roll up to a free camp and I find just a, another couple, a grey nomad or someone, and go and just knock on the door and say hello so they know they don't need to worry about me more so than anything. And I get a quick squiz at them and usually it's a nice little old lady and her husband and they're cute chihuahuas or something. <laughs> And then I feel fine and I know they're there and, you know, for me it's more like what happens if my tire blows up in the middle of the night. I'm, I'm never worried that someone's going to knock on the door and yeah. cause trouble. It's always car trouble, you know, <laughs> or I'm, I'm bombed somewhere and I don't have a, you know, a shovel to get out or something ridiculous. Well, that that is a, a problem, particularly with the sorts of weather we've been having. Well, unpredictable <laughs> totally. weather. Have you have you learnt to change tires? Are you? A, oh God, no! I've got an I've got premium RAA, darling. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I think it's always a good idea to call in the professionals. I didn't. There's no way. Even if I could get the nuts off the tires, no way I could lift it. Like I'm with oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but also, yes, it's yeah, it's, it's a high ass. So I would imagine that yes, that's you right. Do. Yeah. yeah, you never have to wait too long to get help in your car. So, well, that's good. Um, but I also am thinking you must have met so many different interesting people just by going up and knocking on doors oh, and saying hello. So I- many. You know what I love the most is you know I meet a lot of people who are in their retirement and they're doing their big lap of Australia. And their stories are just fantastic, like their life story, what they've done with their life, why they're touring now, why they're. Um, oh, I love it! I love it. There's so much. Uh, so many different kinds of people that you meet doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. Do you find that you take some songwriting inspiration from some of those stories? I do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And often it's, you know, it's a vibe of a person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, often, you know, I meet a lot of people that remind me of a family member or something and it's there's always a nice connection there when, you know, I might meet a lady that looks just like my nana did or, you know, smells just like my, you know, uncle or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's <just kind> of- <laughs> Yeah. Now, the you mentioned being pulled off the road during the pandemic, how that was a very difficult time, and your new single, Poets, Troubadours and Me, arose out of that time. Um, mm. And it's, it is a really poignant song and there is a sense of bittersweetness about it. I'm wondering what the initial spark for the song was. Do you know, it was that thing of um, there was such huge fires over New Year's that year 
And then we all, like, I, I don't think I worked the first two months. We did all these charity concerts and then we just got back on the road back to doing what we do and then we got pulled off again. And, you know, it was just so jarring to, mm. to then go, oh, what, what do you mean there's no help for us? We just did all this, you know, Muso's always the first to jump in and, and give a hand and now now they won't even give us Centrelink. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't chosen to, to go off the road and, um, you know, eventually that all those rules changed. So we got really very fortunate in, in the end there, but um, it was a very scary time uh, to begin with. I, I remember lining up at Centrelink for something like seven hours just and you know abc trying to ask you for an interview and you're like i have never sat, stood in this line in my whole life i feel so ashamed to not have a job right now this is ridiculous and um yeah it really it really hurt you know i didn't i didn't know where to go i didn't know where to live because i was living in my car and mm. um i didn't know what to do with myself like how do you reskill like even just trying to write your resume it's like well it's just gig to gig to gig you know yeah. my skills are i know 400 songs <laughs> yeah which is a phenomenal skill <laughs> well you know how does that trust you know and then you get that mm. whole thing how, how do you retrain and why should I have to and, and yeah yeah it was, yeah it was tough I think part of what's interesting to me about the premise of the song in the title because you say poets troubadours and me which implies that you don't think of yourself as a poet or a troubadour but I would say <laughs> arguably you are both I think for me, I always think I always think of myself as a storyteller more so, but poets, troubadours, and storytellers doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> True, the rhythm of the title you've chosen is is fine, but um, but yeah, I, I would I think the yeah the life you're living, being on the road, there is a bit of the troubadour about it at least. Yeah, I think so too. You yeah. know, I think I think all those words. I think we're all the same person, really. Anyone that does poetry or or is a troubadour or a singer songwriter or a storyteller or a comedian or a um, even actors to a point, you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're just trying to uh, process life and then perform it yeah. so other people can get the message, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, now the new the single you have released, uh, the single, the version you've released of the song as a single, it's not the same, it's on Unplugged. No. Uh, this, this one was recorded with Jules Parker from Hussey Hicks and so I'm wondering was- if you've worked with Jules before. I, I've worked on, um, I've, I've worked live with Jules a lot, but never in the studio. This is, um, we decided to do a record together and we started, rec- this song, she just texted me today saying, you know, that's the only song that we recorded in our studio before everything flooded oh. and the only one that actually got finished and across the line and released. So, um, you know, they, they their studio was in Lismore and they, they were so, so affected by the flooding. It was just, you know, traumatic and awful. And um, I'm so proud of, this song because you know when you work with Jules you sit into us you get into the studio and you know when you've I've been in studios before and and often you know the producer says how do you want things to sound and and then we'll go and play these and we'll make make this where she just puts everything all the mics on you and all the guitars in your hands and says do your thing mm-hmm. and you sit in there going no no you do the guitar one you're an amazing guitarist and she she always turns around and goes no 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 this is your song you're going to play the guitar yeah. Um, and she's done that with a lot of artists and there's something really special about having that space to, um, and the, you know, she, she puts confidence into you. She, she kind of pulls you up with it and yeah. it's a beautiful trait, but also, you know, it's not just Jules, it's also Lisa who's there and she's such a huge support in the studio and her multi-instrumental talent, you know, everything you hear on the record that's not me is almost all Lisa. Like she's got the shakers going and the backing vocals and, uh, you know, she's she's just such a comfort to have around as well, and and them as a duo, 
um, while you're creating music is probably one of my favourite things yeah, in the whole world to do is hang out with them and make music. So very privileged and um, very lucky to have managed to steal some of their time. <laughs> <laughs> and if my memory serves me correctly, Jules produced Lioness for Becky. Yeah. Uh, and I remember interviewing Becky about that album just in terms of you saying, talking about playing the guitar, and she said it was the first of her albums that she played guitar on. And I said I was so surprised about that because I always think of her with a guitar in her it's hand. Such an incredible guitarist, right? Yeah. yeah, but she had said in every previous album she'd been told, no, no, we'll get someone who can really play guitar, or words yeah. to that effect, which was gobsmacked. But obviously, you know, Jules, as you said, gives people confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, she just she believes in people, you know, really strongly and um, it rubs off on you, I think. She's yeah. a great human to have in your corner for sure. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, there was a version of this song on Unplugged. Did you ever consider releasing that as the single? I think I knew, like Unplugged for me was a project. It was an in-between project. It was, I've got these few songs that are very prominent about the time um, and I just want to showcase my work live Mm. that I do um, from previous albums. So, you know, that project was a handful of songs from my first EP and a handful of songs from the album and then three new songs about camping essentially Um, and it was just like something to do when we had nothing to do kind of thing so I always wanted this song to be a radio single and I knew I wanted to produce it so um yeah I'm I'm, but also you know now I didn't think it would take that long either (laughs) so um now I'm eager to move on I feel like I've you know done this song to death but um it's only just been released really so yeah a couple more years of it yet maybe (laughs) Well, and because also for me, yeah, the, the track on Unplugged, well, there were a lot of lovely tracks in it, but I really swooned over campfires. And so I'm yeah. um, <laughs> wondering if um, if you're planning to re-record that. Do you know, that song is is such a, um, I don't think we will because I don't think you can add anything to that song that's not already there, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a story and it's a vocal piece and it's I feel like it's a song that you would sing around the campfire, just the vocal and a guitar. So Yeah. Um, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no, I agree. Look, it's, it is lovely just as it is. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting yeah. you need to do another version. No, I, I did consider it for a long time, but you know, we've, we've only got three songs into this new album because we've been, because of the floods, we got stopped. So yeah. we're actually, we decided to uh, release a bunch of standalone singles, and then the, uh, the new album will start fresh mm-hmm. once the girls right. back from overseas and go again. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that poets will be on that album. It might be a bonus track, maybe, but. Uh, at this point, just a standalone single. Fantastic. Uh, so for you as a singer, because you you are such a powerful singer, and that's evident on the recordings, but also anyone who sees you play live. So when did you develop your vocal identity, I guess? Did you start singing as a young kid, mimicking other singers and then? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I've always sang in high school. I, I did a lot of choir work. Um, but I, I went to a performing arts high school and I did jazz band and choir and guitar and, and all kinds of things and they wouldn't let me have a singing lesson on my own because I already did so many other things. So it wasn't until I got to TAFE that I had started learning how to sing uh, really at all. Um, and I loved it. And, you know, we covered blues and jazz and gospel and, and lots of different roots kind of genres. And I think that's uh, where I learned a lot of things, you know. Yeah, well, there's because there's certainly technique in your voice, but but there's a, there's a huge amount of feeling. So obviously you were able to take everything you've learned and then just put it together in a way that's yeah. uniquely you. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So TAFE, Tafe did a good job for you, Kelly. There you I go. I think TAFE <laughs> did a good job, yeah. You know, I, I had a great um, 
my my mentor was good at music, really right. great musician. So I I learned a lot there. Yeah. So given that you have quite a peripatetic life, when do you fit in writing? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I've just finished. Um, I was just doing a project called Song Club with Sam Hawksley. In oh, yeah. When we had a prompt every week to write to it, I got too busy, so I had to <laughs> bail on that. But I think I just I write when I feel it. Um, I kind of write as a therapy almost. So, um, I think for me, it's just carving out enough time to get enough downtime to actually pick it up and, you know, to pick up a guitar instead of the laptop. Yeah. If I can carve that time out, we're fine. It always comes, but it's yeah. just the getting away from the spreadsheets and the advertising and the publicity and the marketing and the, and the emails. And the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All know? the things that are involved in being a self-managed artist. Yeah, and it it is a lot of admin, which which is not evident when you're getting up on stage and you deliver the performance, mm-hmm. but there is a lot that goes into that. But, you know, also um, making time to go to somewhere like the DAG once a year and, you know, you get there, you relax immediately, you're fed every meal for five days and uh, you just turn the tap on and here's eight new songs. Yeah. You're there, you know. When you're in a space like that, it's easy. So yeah. easy. It's a very efficient but, um, use of your time by the sound of it. Oh, it's just testament to the, the magic that they create in that space, you know. You, you, that wouldn't happen if they, they didn't look after us the way they did. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as I said at the start, you're on the road with Lynn Botel at the moment. What's coming next? Do you have some festivals lined up and other shows? Yeah, yeah we're playing, um, we're doing Blue Mountains Music Festival in Inbin Roots in October and I'm taking the band. So uh, I've got a rhythm section who are their own band in their own right called Great Aunt and um, Gabby Louise on fiddle, who's an amazing fiddle player. A um, couple of festivals and then we've got a run through Adelaide and Gawa in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some some camping stuff with Becky coming up for her 50th birthday, which I'm really pumped for. And then uh, who knows after that? So do you, <laughs> uh, I mean, you mentioned the admin side of things, but I'm imagining you are really good at, man- at managing your calendar. Like you, you've just rigorously uh, yeah. organised so you can make sure you're in the right place at the right time. Oh, do you know what happens is uh, I end up just, every time I do it too, I end up doing stupid drives like Nimbin to Adelaide in two days because, I said yes to a thing that I probably should have said no to, but I really wanted to do it. And I go, I can make that work. I can do that. <laughs> that is a big drive. That was, you know, <laughs> over here two days ago. And, you know, we were in Bendigo yesterday. I'm in Adelaide today. And... Yeah, right. <laughs> but it seems I mean, partly also listening to you talk about that admin side, um, you have on the one hand a great commitment to art. Like you you have this life where you are immersed in making music, um, live, writing, working with other musicians. It's a it's actually a really inspiring, motivating thing, I think, to to talk to you about it because just to know that you live your life like that. But on the other hand, the admin facilitates the art, if that makes sense. Totally. totally. Do you know the other thing is I can't not do it. I think that's why I do it is because I've I've tried to quit. It's very hard to be a musician full time. <laughs> the money doesn't flow all the time and it, it gets hard but um I can't stop there's an obsession within me that's just it's too strong so I just I give into it and uh, I just keep going I'm very lucky though you know like I don't only do my own thing I also you know I play guitar for Lydia and I, I play with Beck and I um, do other projects here and there and sometimes they're admin projects for other bands and sometimes it's a music project and uh, but it's very varied so I never get bored because it's always on to the next thing and on to the next thing, you know. 
Well, I think uh, we are the beneficiaries of your commitment to art. Um, and so I thank you for that. And uh, and hopefully people can keep track of your social media to see where you are playing next. And in the meantime, I'll look forward to the next songs you release and hopefully seeing you live. And Kelly Bruhaha, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, thank you much. So I feel like we need to thank you guys for doing what you do. Like we can't get our music out without your help. And it's such a huge um service that you're doing for us so thank you for doing what you do oh. I, I feel like we need to, to flick the camera around now and I can interview you <laughs> well I only do it because I want to do it because this is a hobby for me it's not my job so yeah. um I, I I see it as, a, as a, a privilege to be able to have access to great music and great musicians and and uh and only cover what I like <laughs> so. yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> I like that I like that so I guess love your music thank you and I'll see you down the road Oh, I think so. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.